0: Ask N.T. Write Anything podcast. Hello, it's Justin Briley, Theology and Apologetics editor for Premier, sitting down as ever with New Testament scholar and prolific author Tom Wright. This is the podcast where you get to ask the questions and the show is brought to you by Premier in partnership with SBCK and N.T. online. Really interesting edition of the podcast today, full of your pastoral questions. And if you stick around right to the end, you'll also get another edition of Tom Wright Unplugged. Good news, we're running another book giveaway. Three signed copies of Tom's best-selling book, Paul, A Biography. Could be yours. Plus, I'm also going to chuck in a copy of my own book, Unbelievable, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. But to enter that, to get both those books, Tom's book, my book, uh, you just need to be signed up to our newsletter by the end of July. Then we'll select the three winners. So simply get yourself subscribed now to be entered for that prize draw of Paul, a biography, and my book, Unbelievable Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists. I'm still a Christian. Do that at our website, askntright.com. Now, if you enjoy this show, you might also enjoy the Unbelievable podcast and our London conference coming up on Saturday, the 20th of July with 13 international Thinkers, including Chris Kandaya, Christy Mayer, Broxy KV, Craig Hazen, and many more. It's on Speaking Truth in a Post-Truth World. Do go and check it out at premierchristianradio.com forward slash unbelievable conference. And if you use the discount code SPEAKTRUTH, all capital letters, before the 20th of June, you'll get a 10% discount on your tickets. I'll leave uh, details for that in the podcast information. That's Unbelievable, the conference, on Saturday the 20th of July well time now to turn to your questions but as ever if you'd like more episodes updates bonus video content and of course to enter that prize draw for signed books do get registered at askntright.com tom welcome back for another sit down over coffee tea (laughs) cakes apples we have got some healthy things here as well (laughs) honestly um I thought it would be good to have at least one episode of the podcast where we deal with people's personal pastoral mm. questions. Mm. Um, as well as being a teacher and a leader, you've been a pastor for a lot of mm. your life. Mm. Um, I'm sure you've dealt with lots of difficult and you know uh, situations. Now, before we get into any of these, though, I think it's probably worth saying that you are not in any way advocating that a brief response on a podcast is anything like proper pastoral care.
1: No, no, that's that's exactly right. I mean, people email me with pastoral questions Mm. and I now routinely say, Point number one, I cannot be your pastor on email, and Mm. I cannot be somebody's pastor on a podcast. What I can do is offer a little crumb of possibility of advice, but this presupposes that they will then find somebody. And I Mm. say, please, find Mm. a church near you where there is a wise person who can sit down and listen to you and weep with you and pray with you and look you in the eye and hold you accountable and see you the next week and the next week and the next week, because in my experience, most serious pastoral problems cannot be dealt with in one session let alone in one comment on which, a podcast. which takes us back to the the, the, the things we were talking about in a previous podcast about church and the yes, importance of community and absolutely. so
0: on i one of the one of the great benefits of podcasts like this and the many others that are available for christians is just being able to access all kinds of wonderful teaching and and so on the downside i find is that sometimes that makes people think well i've I can do my Christianity completely by myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can simply yeah. listen to the people I like to listen to, do, th-
1: yeah. and, and I don't ever really have to have proper yeah. sort of relationships with, and, with other Christians. And, and, and actually pastors and bishops can get into that trap themselves. Mm. They're so busy giving out. And then because they're the expert, it feels odd to turn around and say to somebody else, now will you pastor me? And yes. um, I'm in the strange position now where when I need pastoral help, as I do from time to time, I'm sometimes turning to people who are considerably younger than me, um, which feels very odd. I'm not sort of looking up to them as senior people, but they're people who I respect as pastors and they're experienced. And if they know and love me and are praying for me, then hallelujah, that's, that's right. great. Well, with those provisos, let's look at some of yeah. the questions that have come in on this theme. Uh, Belinda is
0: in, a, in Hong Kong and asks um, – What is the ultimate purpose of being on earth as a Christian? (laughs) I know it's to glorify God, but what does it actually look like for someone who's a homemaker, who doesn't do world-changing ministries, who leads simple day-in, day-out sort of life? Is being faithful and obedient to the call of God in your life, if it's to be a homemaker, a mother and a wife, more important than seeking for bigger and more prominent ways to glorify God? Will God find my smallness in life unacceptable? Should I aspire
1: to do more for God? And if so... What wow! This is a great lady. I'd like to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, one of the things that I regularly do is I, I contribute to a particular missionary society, and I get their um, monthly newsletter. And each day there's a particular person or couple or group to pray for. And one of the things I'm constantly delighted by is the small things that they're doing—the mm. things that will never make headlines if it wasn't for this particular thing. Um, but actually. They are making a kingdom-shaped difference where they are. And if that's in a home, I speak as a father of four and a grandfather of five, um, the older I get, the more I realize the absolute vital importance of being there for the little people, the younger Mm -hmm. people, and Mm -hmm. being a homemaker for that. I'm hugely grateful that um, my mother was a homemaker. She Mm -hmm. never had a job outside the home while we were growing up. Um, and I and my siblings were richly blessed through that. Um, and uh, I very much regret that that's become harder in our culture mm. because real estate agents say, oh, if only you were both working, you could mm. afford this mm. and that, and et etc." et cetera, You know the scene. So I want to say, no, those are enormously important roles. But even if somebody isn't, in that sense, a homemaker, God has things for you to do. And I think the answer is both in your regular church worship and in your own private praying and reading of scripture, to open yourself. It happens at moments of vocation when somebody coming to the end of a degree course, for instance, what should I really be doing? Mm. That To be praying both individually and with friends for wisdom And then to be open to a nudge here or a nudge there or something you hear on the radio, something that you, somebody you met who was talking about Mm -hmm. something and you just think, oh my goodness, I could actually do a bit of that. And it might be teaching Sunday school just once a month or it might be, oh, maybe in a couple of years time if I did some training, I would be able to do that. And Mm -hmm. there are a thousand things, a million things Mm -hmm. that are possible. But having said that, the small things are the things that matter. Yes. Um, and in a sense, the stuff that people like me do, bouncing around, giving lectures, yeah, that, that that's nice. But it means absolutely nothing if it's just sort of big entertainment, mm. unless there are people, including myself, on the ground doing the basic things day by yeah. day on, uh, in an unsung way. In a slightly different environment, um, but I think it
0: relates somehow to this question. I, I saw an interesting comment on... Um, uh, Twitter I think it was the other day um, and it was in response to quite a large um, public ministry sort of going belly up because of a, a big fall from grace uh, of a particular uh, pastor uh. and the person said I, my father used to feel my father was the leader of a very small humble church and he often felt that he made very little difference to anyone uh, when he looked at some of the big you know mm-hmm. you know, thriving mm-hmm. other sure. congregations and things and he said that story of that, that fall Made me realise just how much he did do. Actually, yeah, he yeah. he he served that community faithfully. Yeah, he didn't yeah, have any yeah. glamorous. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I look back and think, gosh, I'm so glad he did that and yes. didn't go the route of yes. that. Obviously,
1: led in in another situation somewhere of to, course. To, to fall of dramatically. Course. And, of course, and and, where, and I often think about this in terms of. The communities that Paul founded, you know, most of the people in Paul's churches um, were ordinary poor people who would live in Thessalonica or whatever all their lives. They'd be born there. They'd marry there. They'd have children there. They'd die there. Um, A lot of them were slaves. um, A lot of them were very poor. Uh, What did it mean for them to follow Jesus? Paul was going around, Mm. you know, preaching the gospel, being stoned, shipwrecked, whatever. They were just being jesus followers in thessalonica and probably having a hard time um but paul sees that as lighting a candle in that place which will not be put out an anonymous uh person asks, and there are a few actually anonymous because of
0: the nature of some of these questions um this person says i had to divorce my husband as he was unfaithful not very nice to me at the beginning of uh, the year this was last year i think they're speaking up my question is how do i forgive myself for believing his lies for hoping that he would change i took out an order to stop him from contacting me or coming near me i never shed a single tear the day he left i suppose i feel unworthy with low self-esteem i've started going back to church regularly as it's been my faith that has got me through some very low times but it just keeps playing like a broken record in my head and i want to stop torturing myself and move on thank you for any light you can shed wow. on this matter um so the question she's this person says is Is how do i forgive myself yeah, for believing yeah, yeah. his lies yeah, 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 for yeah. for sort of keeping that relationship which was evidently yeah, um, yeah, a, yeah,
1: yeah, not yeah. a good one going. it's um, my my heart goes out to somebody who can write that um forgiveness is a complicated thing and the the need to forgive oneself is certainly part of it but what i'm hearing there as well is the need to forgive the ex-husband but also then the need to be assured of god's forgiveness um, which is the context in which we learn to Mm. forgive ourselves Mm. all of that says this will take prayerful pastoral care on the spot um And I think most people from time to time have things in their lives that they realize I really messed that up. And it may not Mm. be as big as that, but things that we really, really regret Mm. that we wish with all our hearts we'd done differently and learning that that's okay, and that God is the God of fresh starts which doesn't mean so who cares what we do because Mm -hmm. you know by the next morning it'll all be all right that's certainly not the case there are lots of things we can do which have lasting damaging horrible effects however learning that nevertheless one of the great biblical words but god nevertheless um uh, and then i suppose my way of approaching that would always be to say um, through the reading of scripture and through, depending on the person's temperament, and that's something that only the pastor mm-hmm. could could see, um, through new patterns and pathways of prayer, there are styles of prayer where you can bring a problem in prayer to God and may well need help to do this and then wait for some kind of a mental picture of either Jesus or the Holy Spirit taking that away and dumping it in the sea or whatever it may be. And things like that, it does take time, and it can be quite hard work in prayer, Mm. but it really can make a huge difference. And trying to do that by yourself is very difficult, Mm. if not impossible, because the self that is trying to do it is the Mm. self that is having difficulty forgiving itself, etc., etc. But I would say in terms of Scripture, um, read the Gospels and do the Ignatian thing of imagining yourself a character in this scene Mm. you know here is the woman who comes in to wash Jesus feet and imagine that you're sitting beside and What's Jesus now going to say to you? And what are you going to say to him when that little episode's over? Or that many, many scenes in the Gospels which one can do that with. That's a wonderful way of prayer. And I would always say to anybody like this, please read five Psalms a day. Just read the next five and the next five and the next five. Because again and again, it'll astonish you the things. That the psalmist is expressing, which are exactly what you're going through. Yes, um, the, the, the frustration, the anger, the absolutely. bitterness, absolutely. It, and, it's and a the, very and the, human hey, thing. Hey God, what's going on? Well, yeah. What was this all yeah. about? And and I mean, many times, even now, I've prayed the psalms all my life, and I sometimes find myself thinking, sure, that wasn't there last <laughs> time. You know, it just jumps off the page at you. So there are disciplines of of wise spirituality but this doesn't almost certainly need a spiritual director to come alongside. Well yeah well you've, uh, prayers
0: for that situation and and uh, I hope that, that for whoever that is um, they, they find some sort of a breakthrough. Mm, mm. Um, this is Anne in Missouri who says can you speak to the theology of honoring one's parent as an adult when that parent is an abusive one? in your Matthew for Everyone commentary, you used the phrase emotionally manipulative mothers who wreck their children's lives. Well, what does it look like to honor such a mother when a healthy relationship feels and maybe is impossible?
1: I think the honoring of the parents is quite practical in, in the original Ten Commandments, yeah. honor one's father and one's mother. Doesn't mean pretending that they're super people with no mm-hmm. flaws. Um, I think pretty brutally it means that when they are of an age that they can't earn their own living anymore um if you have the wherewithal you should be supporting them mm. that's clearly what jesus is talking about in mark 7 where there's the controversy about people who say well i was going to honor you but now i'm giving it to god so right. sorry you won't be getting I'm, anything i'm let off my duties uh, I- yeah. exactly yeah. exactly and and they're the honoring as in um the pastoral letters where paul says um let the elders who well rule well be worthy of double mm. honor mm. um that means double stipend um mm. it, it's not just oh wow they're so great it's mm. it's actually this is hard cash we're talking yeah, about right. um so i think um even the abusive parent is still your parent mm. and if you have the wherewithal to support them to do things for them i happen to know somebody at the moment who um, is still supporting their parents, even though the parents do not seem very nice people. Right. I happily don't know them, but I hear the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but this person will turn up and help them and do things for them, and um, because they're their parents. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I, I think it's this is this is cognate with other questions we've discussed about the the sheer outward physicality of it Mm. the judaism and christianity really are about getting on and doing the stuff and the feelings may or may not come into line Mm. Um, because we want to feel love we think that everything must start off with the feelings and again quote c.s lewis one more time um actually if you want to love somebody if you behave as if you love them the feelings may follow; they may not. Mm. But try it. Try behaving mm. as if you mm. love them, because on okay, I'm going to look after you. I'm mm. going to help you with this. Mm. Um, and it's a, but honouring one's
0: parents certainly doesn't mean pretending, as you say, that, no, that they no. are um, people that they're simply not. If if there's sure. obviously been a troubling sure, relationship, sure. Um, I hope that's helped in some way, Anne, with with that particular situation. Yeah, it. it
1: I mean, it is it is difficult, and there may be some. Context in which an adult child has to say to a parent, look, I'm sorry, um, this is really messing me right. up and we're just going to have course. to step back for a bit. Without knowing the particulars sure, of the situation, exactly. obviously that, that will be very
0: much depend. but, but sure. yeah, I appreciate that. Um, another anonymous person asks, what is repentance? Can a person who has addictive sinful habits be considered in active repentance if they relapse regularly into the same sin? This is sometimes, to use the terminology, sometimes called a besetting sin, isn't it? You know, the idea of something that's very hard to shake. We may constantly sort of come back to God and say, sorry, but then the next day maybe we're doing it again. Are they really repenting if they're simply going back again and again?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we know a lot more about addiction now than we did. Mm. And clearly there are many behavior patterns that different people can get into which are, uh, repetitive and there is in the psyche there's a, a an electric loop or whatever that mm. if you get into that we're just going around the loop one yeah, more time yeah, yeah. that can be broken with help with therapy that's what Alcoholics Anonymous do mm. it's what various um, recovery platforms do however when in Matthew 18 Peter asks Jesus how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me, as many as seven. And Jesus says, well, actually, how about 70 times seven? Which is a jubilee line, yes. by the way. It goes back to Daniel. And, uh, to and the for those seven. who are wondering, that doesn't mean work it out mathematically, and that's the number of t- precisely t- precisely. It. Yeah, now we're <laughs> right, you're going to get this time. No. It, obviously not. It just means don't be. Now, I want to say what makes us think that God would not be as generous with his forgiving as Jesus wants Peter to be? Mm um and that doesn't mean just like human forgiveness doesn't mean so all right just hit me again cuz you know I'm going to mm-hmm. forgive you again mm-hmm. um it it doesn't open the door to an antinomianism it, it it just means that at no point will god turn away a genuinely penitent sinner and even that, if they're back at it the yeah, following yeah, day yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I mean this is this is obviously a regular pastoral yeah, problem yeah. that one meets um and uh, then one wants to say pastorally now let's see are there things in your life elsewhere in your life that actually put you in the way of this yeah. um, and if that's so can we see about readjusting some of those triggers mm. so that you avoid uh, as the old pastors used to say the occasions of sin mm. you know, don't go to the place where you're likely to be tempted yeah. into that etc cetera, etc cetera. and And there are ways of working at it. And so serious repentance would also be about, okay, God forgives me, but now I need to do some work. on. And and as
0: I understand it, the word repentance does have that sense of a
1: turning around and going in a different direction.
0: Absolutely. It's not simply a a saying sorry for
1: something. No, no, quite. It's a change of direction. Um, The word in the first century is very specific. At one point, we meet it in the works of Josephus, who's a younger contemporary of Paul who talks about confronting a brigand leader in Galilee, telling him to repent. And he doesn't mean give up your <laughs> sins. He means you're going about this business in the wrong way. I've got a better idea. Right. Turn around and come with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, very, again, very practical, very out loud and, 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 and public. Mm.
0: The Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast is brought to you by Premier in partnership with SBCK and N.T. Wright Online. SBCK is Tom's UK publisher and they've created a special discount for podcast listeners on a selection of Tom's titles. So when you buy one, you get a second half price. There's a number of titles in the deal, including some of Tom's most popular books, Surprised by Hope, Simply Jesus and Simply Christian. Get the buy one, get one half price offer by going to this link sbckpublishing.co.uk publishing slash ask NT write that's SBCk publishing forward slash ask nt write I've been saving this one up um Generally, we encourage short questions. That's always <laughs> helpful for the purposes of the podcast and the time we've got together. This is a, a much longer one than I'd normally include, but I thought worth doing. Um, it it's, uh, lies out quite a bit of the story of this person. But this is anonymous in Texas. So bear with me while I read out the full story here. And they say, I don't know how to ask my question in a sentence or two. Please don't toss this message in the bin because of its length. Because I ask it as someone who really needs some help. I am a pastor and I'm afraid I'm becoming an atheist. After listening to episode three of your podcast in which you spoke about Bart Ehrman, Tom said that Bart came from a tradition where the Bible is either all literally true Or is not true at all. And that's exactly where I'm coming from. And I don't know how to think any differently about it. I grew up in a theologically conservative home and church tradition. We were fundamentalist Baptists of the KJV only strain of fundamentalism. I was a six day creationist and believed that the universe was 6,000 years old. I believed that the entire globe was flooded, that only Noah and his family had survived. There was nothing in those stories that I didn't trust. I believed all of it for most of my life but sadly I no longer am able. Though I left the fundamentalist movement years before going to seminary, I still maintained that view of scripture upon my enrollment. But that view of scripture began to crumble as brick by brick my professors took their exegetical sledgehammers to my faith. They weren't liberal professors, mind you. I went to a conservative Presbyterian seminary. But when I lost that literal interpretation of Genesis, I lost my trust for the rest of scripture as well. It 's not just Genesis anymore it 's in the six years since graduating seminary, my skepticism has grown and met mes, trying to pronounce this word metastasized out of Genesis and into the rest of the Bible. I will skip some of the rest in in terms mm. of it, it mm. talks about some of the various issues you've got with not being able to trust whether if you know if Adam and Noah weren't mm. actual people in real mm. history, what about people like Paul and Jesus who talk about them as though they were. And he goes on to say, for a while I thought I could afford to lose the Old Testament as long as I had Jesus and his resurrection. But now I've had these unwelcome thoughts that perhaps the entire Jesus story was also made up out of whole cloth by some Jewish men who needed to make sense of their Judaism after the temple was destroyed. Did they simply mine the Old Testament for prophecies about a Messiah figure and figure out how to make him also become the new and enduring temple? I don't know. Maybe Richard Carrier is right. and. For those who don't know, Richard Carrier is a prominent mythicist. Um, Anyway, let's keep going. I don't know how to unsee what I've seen, Justin. I don't know what inspiration, infallibility and inerrancy even mean anymore. I'm such a miserable mess. I promise you there's been no shortage of tears over the past number of months over this. I do not want it. I wish I could just unsee it all and go back to my naivety. So finally, with that context, here are my questions. One, he wants to know about... um, If we say that Adam and Eve were mythical figures in an allegory about Israel, um, how can we um, Mm. how do we treat those who treated them as? actual people in the new testament authors and so on and secondly how can i integrate a new hermeneutical approach to the bible that allows me to harmonize these incongruities without feeling like i'm just deluding myself and they end this way in other words i want to read the bible once again without experiencing the cognitive dissonance that i currently experience i've lost the ability to read the bible devotionally for myself and the ability to teach the bible passionately to the church that i serve how do i get back to that place i once was Thank you, Justin and Tom, for hearing me out.
1: Wow! Yeah, <laughs> again, my heart goes out to anyone in that situation. The good news must be that there have been many, many people who've made this journey, and there is a well-trodden path into a a healthy, whole, uh, whole Bible reading. Um, which can leave behind those agonized ex-fundamentalist worries. Now, I'm not from a fundamentalist tradition. At the same time, uh, I grew up in quite what would now be seen as a relatively conservative church, but we didn't think of it like that. Mm -hmm. We just uh, read the Bible and got on with it. Um, But so many of the things which this correspondent has raised, as the starting points at least, are the classic things that American fundamentalists have worried about. And I I fear that that's uh, a culturally specific thing. And I would want to try to help ease him out of that and into the larger world where the church, whether it's Eastern Orthodox or Catholic or Anglican or whatever, has always read the whole scripture without needing to worry about odd doctrinal words beginning with the letters I-N, infallible, inerrant, whatever, just put those to one side. Those are modern rationalist um, doctrines about designed to protect scripture um, from um, modern rationalist skepticism. But th- both the skepticism and the protectiveness are 18th century um, rationalist things which have come through, particularly, say, in American culture. And I want to say there might be something to be said for trying other spiritual disciplines at the moment Other than just reading the Bible, Mm. and maybe going to a quite different church and saying to the priest, "Um, Please, can you just help me to pray quietly over the next three months? Mm. Please, will you teach me how you would Mm. expect me to pray? And in some cases, that might be forms of silent prayer, in some cases, it might be simply. Uh, repeating something like the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner, with the rhythm of one's breathing. In other words, if Scripture seems to be so toxic, there might be other ways to sneak round the back. Mm. But then, reasonably soon, I would hope, what I would say is try reading the Bible quite differently. Try once a day reading the whole of Isaiah 40 to 55. For maybe three weeks, once a day for three weeks mm-hmm. or six weeks, start with Isaiah 40, just go straight through until you're almost bored and familiar mm-hmm. with it. Or try that with the letter to the Romans. I once had a friend who was mm-hmm. severely depressed, and his pastor said, Read Romans every day for a month. And he said, You mean a chapter a day? He said, No, the whole thing every day. Come home from work, sit down, just read Romans. He said, Did it change his life? Right. Most of yeah. us don't read the Bible in large chunks like Mm. that, but the Bible was not (laughs) written to be read in little bits. Mm. So allow some of the great texts, perhaps John's Gospel as well, to wash over you like uh, R.S. Thomas has a lovely line about overflowing with God as as a chalice would with the sea. Sense of the wave upon wave of Scripture which can come over you so that you're not taking in the details and mm. did her exist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just just forget all that stuff and just let it come over you and, mm. and drown you, mm. um, and and see what happens. You know, there is there is no uh, automatic way. But I think the other thing is, I bet in the same town where this poor man is, um, there will be some churches, maybe different traditions with some wise pastors. Mm. And that, that's what this person needs because I suspect and that possibly within... Possibly someone the, who's trod a similar sort of path could well be. come out the could, other and side. And come, come out the other side. That's yeah. the thing. Um, and it, it, it grieves me because actually I have seen so many people who've started in that King James Version fundamentalist Baptist tradition who have then gone to college, realized, actually, I need to grow up a bit, but haven't lost their faith mm. and have matured into... Um, I mean actually some of our brightest students that we've had in St Andrews mm-hmm. recently one of the reasons they're so good is that they learned Greek and Hebrew at an early <laughs> age because they believed very firmly that that's what yeah. they should do and so now in their 20s my goodness they're firing mm. on all cylinders um, uh, so uh, what, what, yeah. and the thing that, uh, on a personal reflection that, that
0: just reminded me of is so many stories I've come across through the other show I, I host yeah, Unbelievable yeah, yeah. where we engage with skeptics and for, often ex-Christians, former Christians where People, people have gone through a sort of deconstruction phase. Right, right, And some people do reconstruct and they go through that process. Yep, and and, yep. and and in a sense, my, my my advice always to someone who's in that process or trying to figure it out is don't expect to come back to the same feelings nope, that nope, you had before. Nope, nope. You can get back, but it might yep, feel different. Yep, and yep, it, and yep, you're yep. going to have – there's going to be a different way, shape yes, that, that faith yes, takes. Yes, But – but that can be a very positive thing. Right, in the, in the right. Long run.
1: And my, my, again, I mentioned my late lamented friend Marcus Borg, who um, grew up in quite a conservative Lutheran home in North America and um, went right away from the faith in his, I think, early 20s. Um, and then was kind of lost and didn't quite know what was going mm. on. And then gradually, gradually, gradually came back. Um, and it wasn't the same as it had been before. Mm. And indeed, to his dying day, he didn't want to go anywhere near right. the conservative beliefs right. that he'd grown up in. He felt that to be a sort mm. of a little, mm. like a coffin to climb back right. into. He didn't want to do that. However, there were quite new things which were very positive. And mm. Marcus was a deeply praying man. I think he was muddled in some ways, and he would have said the same about me, bless him. <laughs> but but a, a, a prayerful lover of Jesus. Um, and yeah it's so that that journey is certainly possible and actual and does happen to people whether somebody in that position ought to go on being in ministry while that's going on that's really difficult because there's a sense of am I being a hypocrite to stand up Mm. on a Sunday morning and preach a sermon that these people expect and that's really difficult if it's somebody's profession and Mm. I fully appreciate Mm. that that's when wise elders in a denomination might be approached to say, I'm having a real struggle at the moment. Perhaps I need three months off or whatever. Could you support that? And mm. wise elders would say, yes, we, we, can, mm. we can help you mm. with that. Um, but finding pastoral help, because the other question, which obviously isn't there, is what else is going on in this person's life? Sure. Um, but that's something which we can't yes, ask no. but needs to be asked. I, I hope that
0: uh, whoever you are, um, that, that you are able to find some wise counsel, apart from Tom, who, as we've said at the outset of the program, uh, is is not able to pass to people via podcast. That's not his job. But Quite. I hope that some of what he said has been helpful or might point you in the right direction. Well, um, we'll leave some of those other questions we had because time is, is already <laughs> out. Perhaps we'll do another session <laughs> uh, of a similar nature in the future, Tom. But uh, for the moment, thank you so much you. Um, for, for dispensing some wisdom. And, um, and yes, if you have a question for Tom, uh, we're looking for further questions for the podcast. This is a good time to write in with yours. Uh, you can do that as usual from the website, askntwrite.com Well, we've still got something for you on today's podcast going long because Tom's back. With the guitar, uh, for a little bit of a special rendition of a Leonard Cohen tune. Next time, another important subject that we'll be tackling, prayer. We'll be hearing your questions on that and what Tom has to say in response. Look out for that in your podcast feed. And again, don't forget to book in now for this year's Unbelievable UK Conference, premierchristianradio.com forward slash unbelievable conference. And use the promo code SPEAKTRUTH all one word, capital letters, before the 20th of June to get a 10% discount on your booking. Details for all of the things I mentioned on the podcast in the podcast information. As ever, you can get more from it by subscribing to our newsletter, bonus video content, exclusive updates, access to the book giveaway, and a chance to ask questions yourself. Just get yourself subscribed over at AskNTWrite.com. Uh, we're probably going to exhaust your repertoire soon enough, Tom, with all these uh, songs you kindly bring to well, the podcast. Well, th- that,
1: that wouldn't be difficult because I, <laughs> I've i played so little in the last decades that, that um, I'd have to go back and look at notebooks and old old <laughs> texts and so on, but still.
0: Well, um, we're going to hear one, uh, which is very well known because it sort of had a renaissance in the last decade or so. Um, hallelujah. Yeah. Leonard Cohen. Um, Leonard Cohen, again, one of those sort of poet uh musicians uh of the 60s um only relatively recently passed away obviously um again one of the your sort of folk heroes when you yes were-
1: sort of i don't think i knew cohen's stuff until we moved to montreal in um, in 1981 and i think i'd known suzanne and one or two others of his famous ones before them but hadn't really associated who he was mm. and then getting to know montreal and realizing the jewish community in montreal which is very big Mm. um i think there's one suburb of montreal which has the highest concentration of jewish people outside tel aviv (laughs) anywhere in the world and cohen was very much from that sort of post-war generation of people very much in the shadow of the holocaust and then being montreal jewish which was a kind of conflicted identity Mm. anyway with the big catholic um presence and so on and cohen is very conscious both of the jewish tradition and of the christian tradition and and um in that song suzanne which i've never actually played but um he has that amazing line and jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water and he spent a long time watching from his lonely wooden tower that's Mm, on the cross mm. and when he knew for certain only drowning men could see him he said all men will be sailors then until the sea shall free them and then he has this line he was forsaken almost human he sank beneath your wisdom like a stone uh, oh my mm. goodness extraordinary picture mm. that, that he's kind of he sees that jesus is representing something being yeah. something mm. and can't quite get mm. to what it is mm. and i i sense some of that in this hallelujah as yeah. well that, that that the line which i mean cohen must have known that his own name means priest mm. and it's very much straight out of the Jewish tradition. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord in song with nothing on my lips but hallelujah. Mm. That is a deeply Old Testament psalmic yes. thing to say. It's all gone horribly wrong. And we just present it before God and say hallelujah. And, you know, there is, there is the gritty wisdom of old age. And mm. as I'm approaching old age, I think, yeah, good guy. He got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear it. Okay. psalm. Mm. Maybe I've been here before I know this room and I've walked this floor I used to live alone before I knew you I've seen your flag on the marble arch But love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. You say I took the name in vain, but I don't even know the name. And if I did, well, really, what's it to you? There's a blaze of light in every word, it doesn't matter what you heard. It's a holy and it's a broken hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, maybe there's a God above all I've ever learned of love is how to shoot at someone who outdrew you it's not a cry that you hear at night it's not someone who has seen the light it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah long ago I always hoped it might be so I never understood how I should view you I remember how you smiled that day so was it real or was it play or were you softly praying hallelujah 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 to just tell the story about um, what happened last October Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had been with my son watching Wagner's ring Mm. at Covent Garden and I came out late at night and my son got the tube to go back to where he was going I was walking back to where I was staying and I had Wagner's music gloriously in my head and I walked down from the Strand to the Embankment, and as I came under the arches, there was a busker singing Hallelujah, and there were several people around listening. And there were two girls walking the other way, and they started to join in, and they started singing Hallelujah with this hmm. busker. And I was walking the other way, and I started singing it as well. And we just kind of passed, and we gave each other a high five, hmm. and the busker was busking, and I just thought, from Wagner to <laughs> Leonard Cohen, was an extraordinary <laughs> yeah. moment. And I. Walked So, walk back to where I was staying with Wagner in one part of my head and Leonard Cohen in the other part. It was kind of an odd combination. So, I did my best, it wasn't much. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. I've told the truth, I didn't come here just to fool you. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord in song with nothing on my lips. But hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord in song with nothing on my lips but hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: You've been listening to the Ask NT Write Anything podcast. Let other people know about this show by rating and reviewing it in your podcast provider. For more podcasts from Premier, visit premier.org.uk slash podcasts.